Yeah, but another installment from Road Warrior Otwell, The Chronicles, The Adventures, The Journeys, The History. Actually, this time it will be about history. Quite a bit of history, in fact. We went to uh, it's for the Hall of Fame. And for the Hall of Fame of Magic, the uh, 2007 voting group. Uh, I went to the list. I identified like 15 people that I feel, and I put them in order. The people I think who have some shot, or at least the best best team of this year, plus the previous few from the previous year, that I think who should be in, or at least very close to being in. Uh, the top 15, you know, maybe a couple of stories about those few. These are, anyway, these are my opinions of what the Hall of Fame for 2006's voting should end up coming out as. We're to the bottom to the top. Daniel Craig, number 15. Uh, he is a Colorado player, in fact. I don't know him that well. I know he works for, uh, or used to work for, I believe, Hewlett Packard up in Fort Collins. He has ridiculously, like, 150-odd or 60-odd uh, points. He was known for being an outstanding drafter. Virtually no drafter, if I remember correctly. Uh, though he's actually best known for uh, being one of the people that caused him to make several rules changes on the Pro Tour because uh, he was a, is what they would refer to today as a deliberate player or a player back then who they basically rewrote the rules on how to deal with stalling over because uh, he was known not only being an outstanding drafter but being one who uh, maximized the uh, clock quite a bit. He was up in Fort Collins still. Um, as far as I know, he still plays Magic, but very rarely. I don't believe his current rating is active anymore. I think it went, I think it went inactive like two months ago, so he's probably not drafted or played a game, uh, tournament game in about a year and a half now. So I, I put Daniel Clegg as number 15 for 2007. Number 14. Oh, I should also mention that Daniel Clegg was banned for a period of time for, for uh, excessive numbers of stalling on the Pro Tour, uh, hence why a little story there. But yeah, he's been, he did suffer a ban for a period of time. Highest uh, Pro Tour point gatherer of anyone who's ever who's, uh, lived in Colorado for more than six months. I know that to be in six months because there was a period of time when Steve Mess lived in Denver and uh, several months, uh, David Price used to live in Denver. Right now, Paul Dion is living in Denver. There's a few other former pros or current pros that, that are or have been living in Denver. Alright, number 14. I'm number 14. I would put Casey McCarroll. Glad I do it, Jack Builder and uh, Hardcore Playtester. He uh, has been known to work with uh, various groups, um, breaking mostly Block constructed format. Uh, his one of his most notable finishes was during the Earth's Saga block structure, where uh, him and his team basically dominated the Pro Tour with this Red Blue uh, Tolarian Academy deck during the uh, Saga block construction. Uh, interesting note is that he he is still an act player on the Pro Tour. He does fairly well still. I think someday if he puts enough finishes up, he might be able to move up in the standings. Right now, I think he's in 14th out of his current class in players. I don't believe he's good enough to probably make the Hall of, Hall of Fame unless he puts up probably two more Pro Tour top eight finishes uh, and or at least a win in a couple of Grand Prix top eights. Um, he has also been banned on the Pro Tour before. Um, I believe, I forgot the exact length of it, but he uh, was banned for uh, for various cheating incidences that eventually got up. Number 13, Jin Okamoda, one of the uh, the original and more famous Japanese players, one of the very first ones who had any real success on the Pro Tour, the one that, that encouraged Japan to make that additional jump, to make the transition, become a better team, to help put in the, uh, the uh, foundation, to allow them over the past 10 years to not only become better and work together and work harder as a team, more cohesively as a team, but eventually dominate now the Pro Tour. Uh, pretty much Pro Tour. You want to be a Pro Player of the Year? The road goes to Japan. And Itara Shida, Jin Okamoto, and Siyoshi Fujita are three of the primary reasons why that is now the case. Because of what they did in their earlier years for promoting the sport for benefiting players and everything. Unfortunately, I don't think he, his resume is strong enough to um, push him over into the uh, into the top eight. I think he needs at least another major finish, uh, which means he needs to become active again, too, because he's not been seen very often on the Pro Tour the last couple of years. But he's still quite involved in my understanding with the local scene in Japan. If he puts up uh, another run at maybe a, a, another couple of Grand Prix top eight or a major finish in the Pro Tour, I think his stock would rise quite a bit in the future years when they're going to need to be looking back at some of these older, these current and previous voting records and looking for that missing person 
the two that could approach her at that point. Um, I do don't think that can. I I think there's a possibility this year that one person could be come to be moved forward from the previous two classes. But when looking in the future years, the next three years, I suspect there's going to be three to four people in these classes, these three classes, the first three years that will be moved forward into those votes. It's possible one person could do it this year, but I, I suspect the next three years for sure there will be at least one person being brought forward because of the quality of players in this particular year's field. He makes number thirteen, number twelve, Matt Lindy, the uh, famous, I would say, white weenie player who uh, had the uh, oh my god event that uh, was some bad against Mike Long in the finals of, of Nationals one year. Uh, he's put up an impressive number of finishes over the Pro Tour and at Worlds over the years. He's got a couple of decks, actually. Uh, a deck. He has a deck that was uh, printed for the Pro Tour. It's actually kind of cool. Only a very small number of people can claim that. Even among put into a Hall of Fame candidates, a very small number can claim that. He's well known as a, a very tight and aggressive player. Um, the uh, classic vintage footage of him was in the U.S. Nationals. is available via uh, video tip that you can get from ESPN or from Watsi. If you actually attend any of the Pro Tours uh, that Watsi that's Watsi sets up shop at, they used to or still do sell uh, old VHS tapes of the ESPN shows. I would hope that someday they actually digitize DVDs of some of the footage or at least put them on the website to download of some of the Hall of Fame footage. But um, at least we know that if you ever want to get the ESPN footage that hasn't been available for download yet, uh, you can pay the, uh, the money. I actually own, I believe, nearly a full set. I think I'm missing one tape, maybe two tapes total from the entire collection of about 20 VHS tapes. Yeah, but nobody has like a complete list of what they all are, so I don't really know which one I'm missing or how to obtain that one that I'm missing. Um, who actually has that data or, or knows how to, knows where else that is or knows how to obtain it now um, because Wathi has pretty much sold out of their collection that they are the ones that I was looking for. Um, I, I've obtained their one that they have to throw towards at this point. But if anyone has information on how to get those missing videotapes or what all the videotapes are, uh, please email me at otwellc at gmail.com O-T-W-E-L-L-C at gmail.com um, I would have be a great interest in either obtaining the missing pieces or uh, selling my collection. But yeah, I mean, I would definitely say Matt Lindy is, of course, an unknown of time that he, he went on to win U.S. Nationals. Um, has since then put up a couple of more impressive finishes since then. Uh, but not quite enough to justify a Hall of Fame status. He would need probably two more wins, or at least, they're not wins, two more top eights in a Pro Tour before he becomes really eligible, possibly, for a Pro Tour shot. Uh, now, my next question would be somewhat controversial. Uh, is Mike Turian, well known as one of the most one of the most impressive and or dangerous people to draft against, one of the best uh, limited players the world has ever seen. There was periods of time where he dominated Pro Tours and Grand Prix in the limited sense. Never really been known for his constructive skills. He uh, currently works at Watsi, helping out there, developing cards and other efforts at Watsi, helping uh, make better sets, make better cards. And that should go into consideration for Pro Tour or almost Hall of Fame as well. But I don't think he has enough. Well, he had a, a really impressive finish, a really impressive uh, run in his career for about three years before he uh, decided to uh, go and become a become a, a player of Watsi. I don't know what he does is justifiable enough to uh, push him into the Hall of Fame, especially with his deep of the crowd. So I can see him being on the verge of the overall uh, finish. I can see him being like on the verge of missing it for the overall votes and then being like one of those guys that come like two, three years down the road gets voted in from the uh, selection committee uh, after they take a few other people for the previous years. But I, I'm kind of rating him lower because of his lack of instructed accomplishment. Uh, Kibler, number 10. Brian Kibler, very nice person. Uh, met him in real life before. I had some interesting conversations with him. Spent some time up in Denver as well, along with a few other two, a lot of the pro players over the years. Uh, Kibler, also known as the Dragon Man, Dragon Master. Very, very good player. Um, kind of wish he had more more impressive finishes. I'm probably rating him higher than he deserves to be because of his, his lack of impressive finishes. But he did some interesting commentary for the Pro Tour too, so I guess some of the contributions are there. Uh, I do have him as number 10. I think I would like to see him do at least one major top 8 more and start putting an effort to contribute to the Pro Tour again. Number 9 on my list, Ryan Zeldin, the master of big creatures, the guy who uh, brought the big game to the Pro Tour. The, uh, the black, 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 white, 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 green, 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 beat down going on. The big game. Bryson is uh, one of their uh, commentary games, the better ones on the Pro Tour. It was, kind of, it was actually rather humorous. It was kind of wish that they would do more commentary, but at the same time, you know, Bueller and, uh, and uh, Brad David Marshall doing an outstanding job. 
well, you know, they're being a little overshadowed, I guess. But in the early days, you know, Pacola and Weissman were two of the best uh, commentators in the Pro Bowl. <clears throat> but yeah, the uh, the white, white, green, 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 black, black, black beatdown of the uh, Charles Defenders, Spirit of the Night, and Verdon uh, Forest were the uh, through the course of the uh, self-constructed survival of the deck that uh, Selvin won the Bowl Championship with. One of the better decks of all time. It's also got a, a nice deck, Bach, Bill Pro, a commemorative deck. I kind of wish they would get pretty back with commemorative deck kind of stuff that come away. They figured that uh, the fat packs were enough additional product that they didn't need to continue selling the World Championship decks. I kind of, I still disagree with that decision, but they're a lot of fun because I have a full side of them I keep them around for just play with. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I consider uh, Selvin to be number nine on the list. Uh, I'd like to see him try playing again. I think he's probably one top eight away from getting loaded into the Hall of Fame. Uh, one, one major, major accomplishment. Number eight. Two-time winner of the Pro Tour, back-to-back winner of the Pro Tour, Nikolai Herzog didn't win the Player of the Year that, way, that year either when he uh, had done that thing and finish. He uh, won the best of minds of all time. Has done well occasionally on the Pro Tour too. Uh, Matillion Mass constructed Pro Tour comes to mind. And when Menor served the right, he was playing the uh, the blue stinging barrier deck that was able to uh, beat the Rebel with at that several, several times at that event with uh, by the ability to use uh, rising waters to shut down their mana base and get direct damage in order to ping off all the creatures. One of the uh, strangest control decks out there. In a lot of ways, Herzog was uh, an outstanding. Players. Still active occasionally. Um, he's been seen on the Pro Tour over the last couple of years, doing really well. Not usually making, usually on the road to make money or have made money, but not really, not a major breakout tournament really. Um, I do think he's probably a few good finishes away from making Hall of Fame. Um, he's arguably on the short list for some people right now for this year's Hall of Fame. So if he doesn't make it, he's definitely going to be on the short list for the potential candidates to come up from previous years. One of the greatest limited minds of all time. So I'm probably rating him lower than retrospect than I should, but then again, I have a great deal of respect for uh, number seven and number six. Number seven being Osama Fujita. One of the masterminds behind the early years of, of Japan, Japan's dominant, uh, definitely on the cusp of being voted in this year. If, and if he does make it in, I would not be surprised. He could very well be on the short list among the top top ten Japanese players of all time. Definitely got a resume that can justify being on the Pro Tour. Kind of wish he had another. Year, though I think he should have had more Pro Tour attendances than he did. But he made an awful lot of Grand Prix top finishes. Uh, number six in my mind, the guy who misses out, Ben Rubin. So in the past year, he has made a serious statement about wanting to be on the Pro Tour, and you got to love his heart because you know you want people on the Pro Tour. Who will be actively used Pro Tour slot through the Hall of Fame. And he's one of those people who would make a use of it like Levy has. And since Levy was voted in the Pro Tour, he's been on like he's been on utter fire making a statement for being player of the year that right now. Um, and if he does well at Worlds, I can see him very well pulling that off. Uh, but Ruben, uh, is one of the best uh, stories recently about him traveling to a Pro Tour event where he had to fly from the uh, West Coast all the way out to London, got there late for a plane, had to uh, hop another plane to Frankfurt. That plane was then delayed after that. His uh, schedule got screwed up. Uh, he no longer had a, a, an act like it during time the Pro Tour, so he uh, paid 600, 600 uh, euros for someone to drive them as a taxi, drive them from Frankfurt to Pro Tour Geneva last year. Uh, when they got to the gate, the, uh, dri- the uh, taxi driver forgot his passport, so he had some difficulty getting on. He got delayed there, but eventually, you know, paid 600 euros for the taxi ride alone. On top of the uh, several hundred for the airline ticket, probably probably around trip, probably around trip that cost him over two grand in the end. He did crash him that day. It <laughs> went on fire on his birthday, going X and one, I believe, or X one and one. No lot of news, but then had some bad luck in day two and, and missed out on top eight, but definitely uh, made a statement that he's interested in trying to get into the Hall of Fame. They talked about the fact that he wants in the Hall of Fame, uh, and I believe he would make great use of it, and unfortunately, he's the one, he's like the one person who I think probably should be in the top eight, or should, should be in the top five, that I just don't know who I would drop to put in, because all the other people right there with him all are making the same kind of statement. I would also consider my number one previous years to be at the same level that Ben Rubin is, and now that he's qualified for a pro tour San Diego, I imagine he'll be making a statement there to a giant, and that would be Steve Ormet, who I feel was like overlooked previous two years, and should 
else will make it to the Hall of Fame eventually. Uh, I can see all of Antarctica one day being all part of the Hall of Fame. Kukura. Or not Kukura, I mean uh, Finkel, Dan O'Mess, and Steve O'Mess. Uh, Steve O'Mess is one of the best, greatest limited minds of all time. When he retired, he was third in money overall. So we're back to the Hall of Fame discussion uh, after somewhat of a break at least a week. Uh, number, for my number five vote for 2007. 2007 vote for number five. I would actually be looking backwards in time. Going back, looking back, and uh... I would be choosing someone from the previous year at this point. That someone would be most likely Steve Allness. And most recent Grand Prix two headed giant champion of Massachusetts. One of the best limited players of all time. One of the few people who was feared to play against in limited. Um, only overshadowed by his own teammate, and that was John Finkel, as far as his actual accomplishments. But when he retired from Magic originally, like good six, seven, eight years ago, he uh, was number three in the money and uh, points at the time. Put up a few impressive finishes. Did win a pro tour. Not the one I was actually in attendance at. It wasn't the one there, but he uh, drafted a virtually model black. Uh, it was a Saga draft deck in that particular event. And uh, wrecked everybody quite effectively. One of the most impressive days at the time for a draft. Uh, only later be surpassed when someone finally 9-0'd a draft. 3 0 3 0 an entire top, a top eight finish. That only happened a couple of years ago, so. I've run a few times where it was a little more impressive really to finish, but at the same time, I think I'd be going back, and the uh, person I'd have him as his runner up in that consideration of the previous years would be Scott Johns, who's the current editor for MagicTheGathering.com's website. Um, put together some decent articles and layout. Does a pretty good job. He's also did editorial work for other websites in the past few years. Number three in that list, and the second, uh, secondary runner up for number five would probably be a uh, tie between Chris Pakura, one of the greatest, uh, and sorriest from the first couple of years of the Pro Tour. He also had some personal finishes and, and just like two years ago at the, at the Legacy uh, Grand Prix came in second because of the uh, bad draws pretty much. I don't really explain that. He lost a game where he had turn one injury plague against the Goblin deck. But um, at that point that'd be, you know, I would say my number five slot would be Steve Waltmas for this year. My number four slot for this year back to Chris Pakula. One of the uh, greatest commentators. One of the funniest people and best storytellers that's ever been on the Pro Tour. I uh, used to hang out in among the Gooby crowd at, at Nationals at Origins, back when they were held by Origins, and uh, we had one of the group people used to just, like, hold sermon, hold sermon with, and uh, gave us all some of the funnier stories that took place the first couple of years of the tour, along with the uh, travels of him and his friends, particularly David Price, and his uh, attempts at consist- consistently trying to qualify for the Pro Tour. Some of the funny stories that John used to have, uh, John and people used to, used to have, he was also known as the Medley Mage, because uh, that's what he named the card that he won the Invitational with, in a fairly impressive manner. One of the few people who had uh, done just about everything, except actually to win, but uh, he kept constantly the uh, constant number two finisher in Grand Prix when he was playing with him. He was actually some of his best workers was as a commentator, offering pretty funny insight, made it made it at the time, made it possible that made it real, made the realization that magic can be a spectator sport and video for him. And he was the person who made that possible. Who uh, gave all the all the one-liners and everything that made it, made the made the uh, capability there to do that. Back to referring to Mike Long, the uh, biggest name, the one person everybody either loved or hated, and everybody watched to see him to his downfall. Um, also known as the consummate cheater, and he uh, always looking for that one edge. Always looked for the edge to uh, get on somebody. Be it sitting on top of the, his chair so he can watch his opponent's hand, dropping cards in his lap. Nationals, and I was actually at that Nationals and watched it. But I know when we, well, I was there and watched the event, but none of us in the spectators could agree that if we actually saw or did not see card drop there in his lap um, or when it was dropped some of us thought was some people thought in the, among the inspectors that it actually happened while they were shuffling cards at the beginning of the game wasn't noticed until he was actually going off and, and for that matter it was a card that he didn't even need to go off because he at the time it was found because he had he had a copy of it already in his hand um, other people thought it might have been during one of the times he cast a uh, 
impulse. But like I said, no one could agree that it happened, only that it only that it did. No one could agree how. So yeah, I was actually sitting there in the Nationals watching him because I was still you know, awestruck and how just how good he was and how he was able to always take advantage of people looking for that that edge, looking for that extra something. And the judges never actually caught on very well. Like the video was his U.S. Nationals against uh, Lindy, where he was sitting on top of his, his chair. It wasn't obvious how much of an advantage he had of possibly looking at Lindy's hands until you actually watched the video coverage after the fact. It wasn't obvious at the event. And that's why a lot of judges never noticed or took, that, took place it. But yeah, he, uh, he kept stretching the rules, kept finding those, those areas, causing the judges to reevaluate how they how they uh, performed guidelines, penalties, how they looked for cheating. And eventually, to the point where, yeah, he did get banned for six months, kind of slap on his wrist, or not even slap on his wrist because it ended the week before World started, so he was allowed to play in World. Actually, it wasn't six months now, I think about it. I think it was like six weeks. And it was kind of a slap on the wrist. And, and as a PR move by the DCI, I'd say, hey, look, we do actually care. Of course, you know, the backlash of that caused them to really put real effort into carrying and cleaning up the sport somewhat. But at this point, um, yeah, he also uh, has since started up his own business. He uh, was trying to sell his knowledge and how to take advantage and, and build the best decks. One of the things he did do is this amazing line that came building decks and just flat out hardcore testing. One of the more dedicated people to it. And it showed in the results. I mean, eventually he did win an invitation one year. Yeah, three times he was on the U.S. U.S. World Championship team at World, which is why he claims to be a three-time world champion. He played something like five top eights at nationals, but never actually got a win in any of those events. He always found a, he always, he always failed at the wrong time. Of course, uh, his uh, some bad and uh, some good phases were well documented. The real coverage in Wendy, where uh, he had uh, multiple copies of the jam that made white spells cost three more and no black mana and was allowed to run over be run over by a white mini deck because of it that was actually a pretty funny video but I was like some bad some bad the frustration level over the years though he has he does put out a website now um, part of that website he also ever, he also tries to sell information video coverage on details on how to get better etc when the first year of the Pro Tour was there was a huge uproar about whether or not he should be allowed into the Pro Tour because of his past record because he was the post boy of everything that was wrong with the Pro Tour or the, the, all the rampant cheating that took place in the first few years. He wasn't the only one who got banned from that time frame. Lots of people during that time frame got banned, including two-time top four member of world and U.S. national champion Mark Justice got a ban for a period of time for cheating. He eventually, he also got kicked out of a tournament once but for a Vietnam stuff. Probably why he dropped off Pro Tour, actually, because, because the stress was kind of constantly be on the Pro Tour. Supposedly, rumor was that supposedly he drove him to become an alcoholic. So, but that's that's a rumor. I never, that's something that other people like Jack Stanton could better fill in uh, details about. It was a uh, lot the full list here. It should also be noticed among the commentators from the early years that were quite excellent was uh, Brian Hacker and uh, Brian Weissman. They both made some uh, excellent commentary on the early years of the Pro Tour. And if you listen to some of the ESPN coverage, you can actually hear far better improvement over when Rosewater and some random guy who barely understood Magic was coming on the Pro Tour before ESPN did their coverage covered GTOing. Um, except the Pro Tour 1 was actually pretty good between um, Mark and Henry Stern. Uh, they made pretty good commentary for Pro Tour 1, but like, if you listen to some of the other downloadable video now, we get like Mark Rosewater commenting at 97 Paris. That was uh, not his better days, put it, he's put it lightly. For some people who want to argue whether or not Mike Long belongs on a Pro Tour because he's been banned once, I just need to point to the fact that Bill Mar- or Bob Maurer is now already a member of the Pro Tour Hall of Fame. He's been banned before. And Olivia Ruel has been banned now twice. And I would say that he's probably a... Uh, a first-year Hall of Famer when it comes time, which is not very far off in the future, actually. 2008, so next year, I said he'd be my number one vote for next year's entire class because he's just that amazing. And what's funny is, is what's funny about Louis Rowe is uh, when he came out to the first tour circuit, he was actually at first by a team event. 
for his team with him and his brother and another French player. They called themselves Black Op, which was um, basically a, a reference to Netrunner, which was another card game that Watsu put out, which was actually a better game than Magic at the time. They came out, it fixed all the problems Magic had, uh, except that for whatever reason, it was released about five to six years before the time. If Netrunner would have come out at the same time that Matrix made it big, that game would have been phenomenal in popularity. But as it was, Battlefield's the greatest uh, card game. Never, never caught on like Magic was. No, Magic is now the world's greatest designed game. It is the best game ever designed. There's been a couple of people banned in the Pro Tour, such as Mark Justice, um, other big names. But pretty much during this first six, six years, five years of Pro Tour, pretty much everyone else who got banned was almost uh, non-existent names people people didn't know. They came down to look like they were hard on people. Um, though there's a couple other names you might look for. There's like Kip Hogan, the guy who uh, made Watsy have to introduce such things as bribery rule to bribery for the very first season for qualifiers. He uh, offered people beta to land in the top eight for concessions in order to uh, earn a pro tour slot for the very first season of pro tour qualifiers. Chip Hogan's also has an impressive finish previously. At this point, I should point out that uh, Chris Pacula could still get elected into the Hall of Fame. Um, he's also, he's pretty close with to being just behind Steve Olmes and Chris puts up another, another impressive finish. Come out of nowhere, like, you know, the, the upcoming Legacy Grand Prix again. He uh, could make a statement that, yeah, he deserves to be eventually in the Hall of Fame. Steve Wilmes definitely does. But as far as, like, Mike Long, his results show that he should be. But at this point in time, I don't think even with even if Mike Long made a comeback and won a pro tour, he would be elected in the Hall of Fame. Um, previously, I thought he should be because of the popularity he brought. He made people love or hate. He's a constant villain that makes people care to watch, made people want to watch. But at this point, uh, there would be enough interesting people that we would just rather have above him. But I don't think Mike Long will ever be elected in the Hall of Fame at this point. And I uh, would not be surprised if he never did. Well, he did have a huge impact on the popularity of the Pro Tour in the first few years, critically. Pretty much everyone else on the list of eligible candidates from the previous years, including Alex Sportsman, won't ever, or, well, I won't say ever, they don't, aren't currently capable of achieving Pro Tour Top 8. Therefore, uh, are not able to achieve Pro Tour Hall of Fame status. Um, Alex Sportsman has an impressive number of Top 8s in Grand Prix. Alex Sportsman's uh, case is that he's very impressive numbers of Top 8s in Grand Prix. Huge number of victories in the Grand Prix. One of the most prolific Grand Prix players of all time. And has put up like one, maybe two ever Pro Tour Top 8s and good finishes in a Pro Tour. So, while he's got a huge number of Grand Prix, Pro Tour points, he doesn't have the performance on the, on the uh, Pro Tour that matters. And since this is not a Grand Prix Hall of Fame, as a Pro Tour Hall of Fame, I don't believe he has earned the right to be a member of it. And that goes for just about everybody else now for the last the first two years. Um, the only one you can maybe make an argument case for in the future would be David Price. If he comes back, wins another event or a couple more top eights in Pro Tour, he's the closest probably beyond Chris Pickle and Steve Wilmes and Mike Long. But he has the same kind of problem that Schwarzman has, is that he's the greatest PTQ player and tournament rider of all time, but has never been able to... Uh, prove himself in the Pro Tour to earn or, desi- or deserve the Hall of Fame status. But he is an amazing writer, amazing community person, and uh, I would think he would be an invaluable access to add in the Pro Tour Hall of Fame. He doesn't have the results needed to justify it. So now with all that in mind, that brings me back to 2008. My number five slot would be Steve Olmos. My number four slot, Shiyoshi Fujita, one of the greatest Japanese uh, early Pro Tour players. Some major early results, some uh, lots of impressive Grand Prix finishes, and was among those who encouraged everyone else to finally travel internationally. Introduced, it helped build the idea of Japanese teams that turn them into what they are today. Also known as a, uh, a great, a great mind for it for the game of Magic. Uh, number four or number three, Z Washowitz. 
one of the uh, most dynamic and genius deck builders of all time. Has a, pro tour top, uh, a couple of Pro Tour Top 8s. Has a Pro Tour win, where he built a deck that completely smashed a field of, as the field was predicted. Built a deck that was completely anti-field and was one of the only few copies of it there. And had major success with it. Taking down one of the very first Pro Tours that took place in Japan. Um, he also had an amazing finish in the uh, Mariah Steel Deck Pro Tour in Atlanta many, many years ago. Should have actually done better than he finished, but nonetheless, still impressive. Um, actually, I spent time talking to him. He's got one of the strangest and most unique laughs you'll ever hear. He used to live in Denver, Colorado for a period of time, and uh, I got to know him somewhat on a personal level, too. I uh, never did get around to uh, taking him on in a game of Netrunner like, like he had. I had challenges him at a uh, qualifier one year, but it never actually happened. Someday, maybe I will get around to it. Yeah, rumor was he was trying to buy the rights to Netrunner once from Wati. He uh, had also put out his own game, designed his own game from scratch, called Cyberpunk, based around the same kind of concept as Netrunner, but with a lot more updated and better, some better mechanics. Um, still not quite a better game. But he worked at it for what he could. Turned out to be a huge flop success financially, but you know, he did with what he had. Did work in Watsi R&D for a period of time uh, before he decided to uh, leave after a good six to nine months, I believe. He's currently now an economic teacher at uh, college back in New York. And he's still somewhat involved with magic, though. He uh, doesn't like to play constructed magic anymore, as rumor has it. But if you put him down mathematics and everything, he's got one of the most brilliant minds. If you put him into a task where he's interested in doing that task, he has one of the most brilliant mathematical minds and ability to design decks that has ever been seen in the Pro Tour. Has completely scrambled entire Pro Tours because of his ability and, and his influence at the time. Much like, uh, much like Mike Flores and Kiyosu Fujita do, does nowadays still with the Pro Tour. And they still have major impact on what people play how people play, and their abilities in the decks that they played on the Pro Tour, because of what they've done in the past, and what they can still do now. Who's your number two? Number two, former director of Magic, former lead of development, former Pro Tour Hall of Famer, uh, uh, Pro Tour winner, one of the most outstanding players in Magic I've ever seen, one of the fastest people to achieve over 100 Pro Tour points in time, would be Randy Viewer, one of the guys that used to uh, trail around the Grand Prix quite a bit when he was in his early years, after he won Pro Tour Chicago, and we used to... Uh, Annoy him with the uh, chant of B-O-R, 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 B-O-R. Around when he was playing, during the matches, he's competitively in top eight, working out of slot. Once he, he turned around and almost uh, decked me for doing it because it annoyed him so much, and he was actually in contention playing an elimination round on day one of the Grand Prix. Uh, it just annoyed him so much. Just think if he uh, if uh, he would have figured out which person to take on or hit, magic would have been history of magic would have been changed forever, and Watsi would have never hired him because he would have got banned for assault. But that didn't happen, so. He eventually got hired by Watsi. Um, the vice president of digital gaming for Watsi, as of this year, his job is not only to uh, oversee the production of Magic Online, but also other games that they're going to work on that will uh, be assembled by programmers that he's going to work as a staff for him now. He hired Wolfers recently as a community manager, brand manager for Magic Online. I only lived dealer for the longest time, one of the fastest people to acquire 100, or among the fastest people to acquire 100 Pro Tour points, but his contributions to the game far outseed even his accomplishments on the Pro Tour. And it's one of those things that we wouldn't have the Pro Tour the way we do today if it wasn't for Bueller. Be it his commentary, be it his design, be it his, his idea to introduce a Hall of Fame to begin with. And, uh, so, even all consideration, he's my number two pick for 2007. He should be a member of the Pro Tour Hall of Fame. And now that he's Watsi Digital Object Vice President, I would not be surprised if at some point in the future after that, there is a 
modification made that might allow members of Wattie to actually play on Protor again. Would not surprise me. Uh, leave my number one pick, 2008. The only guy, or one of the only two guys who should have, or should be good enough to be unanimous for Protor, that's Kai Buda, the greatest player Magic has ever seen. During his run, there was him, then there was Finkel, and then there was everybody else on a Protor as a player. He was 80 to 90% better than any other player who was a regular on the Protor for about a four-year span. He's the only person to make back-to-back-to-back player of the years, only person to make multiple Protor victories, or at least one of the first few people to have multiple Protor victories up until even in the same season. There was one particular year where it seemed as if Kai wouldn't lose on the Protor. For an entire year, he won almost everything you could possibly win. He's won the Invitational, he's won the World Championships, just about anything and everything that was winnable, he's accomplished in the game. Uh, also one of the few people who's been given special exemptions to be able to play on the Pro Tour, even though he had no invite or qualification for the Pro Tour, because of who he is and the fact that they recognize him as being the greatest player ever to play. And Watsi reserves the right to give out free invites to the Pro Tour, whoever, to whoever they see him fit, um, as special exemptions. And he's been one of the few people who's, who's earned or been given special exemptions to play on the Pro Tour. He was so feared on the Pro Tour, they gave him a nickname called the German Juggernaut. Because for something like 11 wins, or 12 or 13 wins, before he had his first loss on a Sunday, now think about that. If he made Sunday, he won so many of them right after that. He was so fierce on Sundays. He's second only to John Fico in total of top eight for four tours. Um, has the most wins out of everybody. No questions about it. He uh, proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that Magic is a skill game. And that if you're talented enough and work harder than everybody else, because he was also known as being the hardest worker on the pro tour, he literally defined what it took to qualify for the pro tour. He play tested 40 hours a week. He had a dedicated team who worked hard with him, namely Dirk Babarowski and uh, Marco Blomo, a couple other people included. Beyond that, they put in literally job-like hours preparing for pro tours because they knew that that was, a, that was his basically a full-time job. He only quit playing pro tour because he was a little bit bored with it and decided to uh, pursue school, get through his university in order to achieve the field of uh, what he wanted to make for his life. Um, now that he's back being motivational, supposedly rumors he's now attending pro tour qualifiers again. He's put in time again. He He's wanting to be on a pro tour, and he's tried to prove that he deserves to be on a pro tour by winning the slot, in, even though he's only now, what, seven months away from being elected to the pro tour. Because there's no doubt that he'll be, he is the number one candidate. There's no doubt he's probably the number one player of everyone eligible in the world who most deserves pro tour. And will be one great, a great ambassador to the game back when Kabuli was dominating the pro universally accepted that he was just so far above and superior to everybody else in the game. There was really no match for him. And he actually really, it was almost as if he got bored with dominating, which is why he decided to stop competing. Because he had the skill he could have continued on and put up impressive results that would have never been shattered. But the introduction of the Pro Tour Hall of Fame now gave him some new goal to shoot for. Still one of the top money winners of all time. Still the most top, the second most top eights of all time. Highest number of wins of all time. Greatest player to ever play the game. For a while, there was an argument for number three being really as well. Who would be in my Hall of Fame for next year? Assuming he's eligible from not being banned again. So a quick recap. My 2007 class would be number five, Steve Olmes. Number four, Kiyoshi Fujita. Number three, Zvi Moshwitz. Number two, Randy Buehler. Number one, Kai Bude. Uh, my two also rands would then be Chris Bakula and Ben Rubin. My next year class, in case anyone cares right now, if I were to look at it right now, I would say number one would be for 2008 would be Olivier Rowe. Number two would be 
Yeager Vigishma. Number three would be Dirk Beporowski, the other part of the Phoenix Foundation, which was the team that Kai Bude headed, spearheaded. And number four would be Chris Benefeld. And then after that, I would be looking back again from someone who either missed this class or the previous classes for the number five slot. Kind of wish, um, as the tour evolves, that that becomes a regular thing for people to look back from the best person who got missed out in previous years and put them as their number five slot. With that, I'm going to um, close with my remarks. Uh, this is Road Warrior Otwell, Christopher Otwell. Um, my podcast will be much more regular now. Um, I'm changing venues at this point. I've agreed to change venues. My first, my pilot shows have now been posted on mbgcast.com. Um, I've got about four hours worth of audio that I'm now editing for this particular series of podcasts. become episodes, probably episodes 11, 12, 13, 14, somewhere along there. Maybe a combination of two, maybe 12, 13. Maybe 12, 13, 14, or maybe just 12, 13. I don't know at what week this is being posted in, but I actually recorded this day uh, being my daughter's birthday. I'm finishing this up. It's a Saturday after her birthday, actually. It's 12th of May. With that, with that, uh, later.